This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. From NPR Music, you're connected to All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan here today with Tom Verlaine. I'm in Washington, D.C. Tom Verlaine played with a band in New York City called Television in the 1970s. Makes great music still. Two new records are out. One is called Around, and the other new record is called Songs and Other Things. How are you doing, Tom Verlaine? Pretty good. For those of you who don't know Tom Verlaine and the band Television, why don't we just start off and play one bit of a song and give people an idea of what the heck we're talking about here <laughs> from the LP, Marquee Moon, and this is Marquee Moon. That was the end of side one uh, to the LP Marquee Moon in the band. Uh, Tom Verlaine, one of the two guitar players, Richard Lloyd, Fred Smith, who's a bass player, Billy Fike, a drummer. You were a curious band for me because it was a time where that whole idea of guitar solos and all that was coming was so passe, and we've heard so much of it. And then you guys came out, and you were sort of this guitar band, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like any of that. What do you think was the difference? Well, we weren't real distorted, for one. It wasn't the big, loud, blues, fuzz solo thing. Uh-huh. I think that that was one main difference. And uh, I, I mean, I, I do think the guitar thing is, the guitar solo thing is somewhat ex- exaggerated. I mean, we did have a, a long cut on our first record, but most of the songs were under five minutes and mm-hmm. um, um, kind of classically structured, you might say. I'll ask you to play DJ for a little bit here. Pick one tune. We'll th- We'll talk about it and maybe see how it fits into what you do, what you love. Yeah, well, we could maybe start with this Charlie Mingus thing. It's the thing called Hog Callin' Blues from a record called Oh Yeah. And in the, in the early 60s, I was playing saxophone. Before that, I played <laughs> piano. But um, I did all this stuff before guitar. And uh, this was like, I found like an amazing, exciting uh, record just all the solos on it, everything about it. 
I mean, you can hear Charlie yelling stuff in the background on it. It's just such a cool, cool record that I thought it'd be great to, to play it on the radio. Let's listen to Charlie Mingus, and the cut is called Hawk Hall and Blues. How old were you when you heard that? Oh, uh, 11 or 12, maybe. That's fantastic. Did you thump through bins to hear it? Somebody turn you on to it? Uh, I think I had, uh, that was maybe in the second year of listening to jazz. I think uh, I was in Wilmington, Delaware. There was one tiny shop next to the fish markets that sold jazz records. And I <laughs> went in there and uh, they always locked the door behind me because I, I think they were actually kind of scared what was this this white boy doing in this neighborhood kind of thing and uh, <laughs> the guy said well what do you want and I said ah oh, you know if you heard Charlie Mingus he said sure and I think he said uh, this is this one's really good and so yeah Mingus I think is playing piano on that Who's, do you he's, remember? A, he's playing piano on that I don't I can't remember is it Danny Richmond maybe or is that the the sax player no, no. the drummer oh, I the drummer. Tried, one of the sax players is definitely Roland Kirk and maybe um, Booker I, Irvin, I don't know. Yeah, I think Booker Irwin, yeah. And when you were playing sax, I assume maybe you were playing in the school band? No, no. I was, uh, I just got a pawn shop thing in uh, alto, and uh, <laughs> and then I ended up trading that in for a soprano, and um, just bought a, a fingering book, and uh, my best friend played a tenor, but he wanted to make his horn sound different, like Roland Kirk, so he sawed off the bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he sawed a spit tune in half and masking taped it around there so he could have a, a different sound. What mom and dad <laughs> think of that? <laughs> well, they uh, I usually yeah. could only uh, have our jam sessions when they, they were out of the house. So. <laughs> but there are some tapes of this I'm trying to track down because my dad had a tape deck. So uh, Was your dad an audiophile or one of those no, people he would just stereos? Kinda, or? He had a, no, he, I remember him having a, a pretty big mono unit, actually, for years and playing uh, Frank Sinatra and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, but he did have a tape deck. I remember that. So That wasn't very common. 
for that? I guess not. I mean, I, I actually don't know you, why he had it because because yeah. he never seemed to use it, and he showed me how to record things oh. on there. So very cool. I hope you find those tapes. Pick something else for me. Yeah, this is a piece I heard um, first. I was living in. Uh, England in the mid 80s and there was a Polish import shop there and a very big shop and on the balcony they had these records and I asked the woman can I go up on the balcony and look at the records she said yeah they're all a pound a piece which was a uh, about a dollar 40 for new vinyl records and um, so I just grabbed a handful of some modern Polish composers I never heard and uh, this was a really beautiful piece I think it's uh, three pieces in old style for a string orchestra and Goretzky, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, was uh, up until a certain point writing, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, no rhythm, no melody music, <laughs> and uh, which is, you know, the kind of prevalent tendency of the late 20th century, especially Long developing mm. pieces. Right, and then at this point he wrote this thing, as he says, in the old style, and it's... Uh, it's kind of deceptively simple piece, but uh, I think it's a great piece for strings. Great. Yeah, a real nice piece, I always thought. Do you have a big record collection still? I have a, a lot of vinyl sitting around. Not not that many CDs, really, but uh, well, a couple hundred at least vinyl records. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, actually, maybe even a thousand by now. Do you, do you ever listen to uh, to NPR or All Things Considered at all? Yeah, now and then. So, so you may have heard um, we sneak your music on now and again. Yep, <laughs> yep. In fact, I think I heard it once but between shows or something as a kind of background thing. That's very possible. Does that bother you? Does it matter? Does it feel weird? Does it? No. Um, I just remember being surprised and uh, thinking, oh, <laughs> didn't know what to make of it, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I direct All Things Considered when I'm not doing stuff like this, and it's one of those CDs that when there are stories that have an, sort of this ambiguity or questioning or something that doesn't resolve, I, I tend to want to pull something from your music and there's because there's something that happens in your music for me as a listener mm-hmm. that has that, it's not completely mystery, but but mystery is sort of the, the place I'd push it towards. 
it's pliable. Your music, to me, especially the instrumental music, is very, depending on the mood that mm-hmm. you're in, the music can fit the mood. And, mm-hmm. and then if you're in a different mood, that same music will then move for me and, and change. Does that make any sense? That could make sense. (laughs) (laughs) If you were me, it makes makes a whole lot of sense, but you're not. Let's listen to the opening cut from Warm and Cool and uh, by Tom Verlaine from playing tom well thank you and the drumming is pretty spectacular too it's spectacular maybe is the wrong word but so yeah it's that old style of the the brushes on the snare drum with a microphone cranked up real loud and bill fickett did the drums on that he's one of the few guys that can play that slow it's like (laughs) finding a drummer to play slow and still kind of make it groovy somehow is not uh, easy a geeky question Mm -hmm. um there's a, a real clean sound that you always seem to have mm-hmm. that is very attractive to me and obviously to you. What, what are you playing through? What kind of guitar? What amp? Well, there's a whole pile of smaller amps. A lot of them are actually from the 1940s. There were there are actually these kind of PA uh, hmm. uh, public address system amps you would see in bingo halls or uh, <laughs> you know, ch- ladies' <laughs> church meeting rooms. And uh, Well, yeah, these were actually... When you get down to the mechanics, they were made for voice, and they actually, when they started building guitar amps, they started making them louder and louder, particularly in the accenting the mid-range and rolling off the bass and all these other different things. So I started finding these things again at like flea markets and stuff and really cheap in the 80s, and just they're very easy to adapt for guitar. And then, you you know, you buy a nice speaker, put it in the cabinet, and you can... uh, swap amps left and right instantly <laughs> by just changing the chord and there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of different guitars on that record uh, i mean there's, there's some old hollow body things from the 60s there's a one of my favorites is this something made in italy with a lot of buttons on it probably not big collector item guitars or something they just have a kind of they have a twang that's really the word for it I yeah guess. yeah absolutely yeah well why don't you pick us out something else tom verlaine all right, this is a record I discovered a couple of years ago. It's a um, soundtrack to uh, Experiment in Terror, and the music is Henry Mancini. This has a very, very cool guitar part, but also just a great arrangement, actually a great sound quality too. You know, all live, a couple mics in a big room. Um, this is the main theme here now. From Experiment in Terror, Henry Mancini. <laughs> 
That is a great guitar. Any idea who it was? I mean, a lot of these musicians for soundtracks you hardly ever knew. Yeah, I don't. I know that Mancini had a crew of guys that he used all the time. So uh, it might have been a guy named Bob Bain, um, but I'm not sure. What is it about the twang in it? In uh, for me, and I hear it in Dwayne Eddy's stuff. Well, you know, it's an atmosphere, that vibrato and that old-fashioned reverb sound. It just has a some kind of special quality. The guy has written a book, I think, called... It's a, it's a very academic uh, study of the use of reverb on recordings. I saw this book. <laughs> it's, it's like I think it's called Space, yeah, Space and Reverb or something. I, I think it's huh. Duke University, but... Uh, <laughs> It's wild because he's he's trying to locate the first record which created a, which had an echo effect and I think it was a cowboy song in which you know they had the guy, it was supposed to sound like some lonesome guy in the hills or something and the, the train whistle with some sort of artificial reverb and how this really captured people you know no one had heard this kind of sound on the radio in the forties uh, or whenever mm-hmm. and um, this whole uh, kind of imitation. Sp- bass or trying to make something with the, I don't know what they used back then. They ran the signal out to a uh, speaker and stuck it in an oil tank or something. It's, or the men's room. <laughs> yeah, or the men's room. In Elvis's yeah. case, the, the hallway or the right. whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about uh, Billy Ficka and, and his playing of the drums so slowly. Um, the guitar there is incredibly mm-hmm. slow, and that's something that, that you do. Is that hard to do? No, not really. You just, it, I mean, it does require a mood. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would do 20 takes of something like that. <laughs> I think most of the, both instrumental records is one or two takes and then try something else, you know. The new one, the one called The Round is, a, I think, almost all first takes. And then, in some cases, editing quite a bit. If something might have been five minutes long, cut down to two mm-hmm. or, or eight minutes long, cut down to three kind of thing. You want to pick me a cut from around? Uh, we can play some of that. That yeah, might fit nicely. Well, here. yeah, we can try again. Um, maybe this uh, this first one on there, which is just kind of a solo guitar piece. Um, Do you remember the names of your tunes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the O. Of the a, O of a door. Okay. There you go. This is and a door o. is not what you open and close. And right, it's the O a. of a door as an adoration. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
your music's incredibly cinematic, and and maybe that's sort of what I was trying to get at before when I said it's pliable and malleable that mm. uh, it conjures up so much. And it's, well, thanks. That's really amazing. There was a little organ in the background of that. I could, I had forgotten. I'd put a little little <laughs> droney organ back there. How would you write a piece of music like that? I mean, do you sit around in at home doing this? Well, that uh, that actually was a lucky moment of a. Um, Somebody I knew was selling a guitar, and he said, I'll drop it by the studio if you might want to buy it. So he dropped it by, and uh, actually before I had gotten there to the studio that day, and I went in and plugged it in, and I said, well, let's just record this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe it was the fact of having a very different guitar in hand and uh, just ended up playing this thing, and I thought, oh, you know, I think I can use that. And I you know, made a cassette and took it home, and it was actually another three minutes longer on there than a so when I, I just mixed it and put the organ in. I mean, that was just kind of a lucky improvisational moment, I guess, of a certain mood or something. <laughs> Here's a cut uh, from uh, another 50s thing. It's um, one of the themes from The Day the Earth Stood Still, using some theremins. Um, Bernard Harmon. Ber yeah. Ber <laughs> Bernard Harmon. Yeah, right, I always have trouble with yeah. names. <laughs> this This piece is... I don't know, it's somehow really memorable, some very odd melody. Oh, it made um, a completely cheesy film fantastic, actually. I yeah. Think the soundtrack it, it, did. Yeah, yeah. It's somehow, yeah, it's a real memorable piece. It's still a very memorable film, too. The, the way the, I mean, the images from that film stick in my mind probably as much as any other film I've ever seen, so... And and if you ever come to Washington, uh, it's hard not to be around the monument and stuff and think about right. that movie still for me. And I've lived here for, since I left New York, I've mm -hmm. lived here for 30 years. And mm -hmm. Well, that one and Earth versus Flying Saucers are, are terrific for Washington, <laughs> D.C. Right. things, especially the little models and the, the models of the buildings that uh, the animator Harryhausen <laughs> built. And oh, right. Little saucers, you know, crashing into the pillars of one of the, I forget the name of that huge building down there. It's, it's nice. I think it was, uh, it might have been the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Well, let's listen to Bernard Herrmann and the theme to The Day the Earth Stood Still.
Man, talk about evocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also, <laughs> I, I didn't notice, never really noticed before, but the, the percussion keyboardy thing there is is like an early use of that endless eighth note thing that, you know, Philip Glass <laughs> and all those people use. They all if watch just, the same movies. <laughs> well, if it's strange, I never really realized this. I mean, this is like, I don't know, what, yeah. 1955, 58? 51, and got I think. Whoa, I think really? It was 51. I could uh, be wrong, but I think it was. Uh, yeah, and you have that, that odd, uh, endless pulsing uh, keyboard thing going on. Huh. <laughs> There's a guy, I think it's Samuel Hoffman, Dr. Samuel Hoffman, who is. Uh, the guy who played the theremin in probably every single science fiction movie. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was. Hoffman, right? <laughs> yep. So you you've done these two records, and one of them is instrumental. One of them is almost completely uh, well, they're instruments, of course, but uh, uh, only one song is without voice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to ask you to pick one from from uh, the new CD, the vocal CDs, uh, songs, and other things. But before we do. Uh, tell me about the band that you're taking on tour and where you're heading. And right. Well, the band will be Fred Smith from television, who's always Please. done my solo tours, and a guy named Jimmy Rip, who uh, likewise has also done all my solo tours. That's and guitarist. then the drummer. That's the guitarist, yeah. And the drummer, Louis Appel, who did most of the new vocal record as well. Pick a cut for us from uh, the new CD. and uh... Let's do A Day on You. Okay. Or, or the, day, the Day on You. Tom Verlaine, thanks for doing this. Okay, appreciate it. Be well. Tom Verlaine, he has two new CDs out. One's called Around. It's the instrumental CD. The other's called Songs and Other Things. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered.
On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.